You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Annapolis. Well, we're now officially in election season, which means you've got lots of choices, but one choice you will never regret is the choice to get all your clothing over at Leon Tailoring. That's right, Larry, Norm, Kim, and Judy, and all the staff at Leon Tailoring. It's a family business, has been around for more than 100 years, and you don't stick around that long unless you're getting great, great customer and great quality service. So, like I said, you may not be crazy about your choices this election cycle, but one choice you'll always be happy with is Leon Tailoring, so swing on by. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown town indianapolis well as you know we got the election right around the corner and one of the big things is going to be what is the impact of social media going to be uh how do we distinguish between fake news should the internet be regulated uh how do uh, candidates use it and the like? So I tried to get uh, some of the technical friends back together again. Our good buddy, Chris Spangle, uh, We Are Libertarians, also runs digital media for the Bob and Tom Show. Chris, good to see you again, buddy. Nice to see you. Our good buddy. Can't have any social media conversation without uh, Dave Meeker bringing tech to you. Dave, good to have you here again, my friend. Thank you. And a new voice to our happy little band of social media scofflaws is Amy Stark. Uh, she is the director of Digital Media Doms and the Social Media Doms Movement. Unconference. Unconference Movement. movement. Yes. Uh, uh, they help a lot of women and other female businesses uh, develop their social media strategies. Exactly. Alrighty. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm anxious to get started. <laughs> All righty. Glad Welcome to the band. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me in about 10 minutes. <laughs> see, okay. See, see how well that goes. All right. uh, well, Amy, since you're new here, we'll go ahead and uh, start with you. Uh, what do you think uh, the role or the impact of social media is going to be this election season? It depends on how effective the candidates are in using it. It can be as effective or not effective as, um, as they put effort into it. And uh, too often, uh, we have found that the, the politicians are digital immigrants, and they don't necessarily understand the full power that's out there. And so they think that if they have a 20-year-old do their Twitter account, that's, that's enough. Uh, but it really isn't. And it's going to become even more important than it is right now. Dave, obviously what you do involves a lot of businesses, but I'm assuming that good business social media practices also can, can sort of creep over into politics as well. Yes, it involves business, but a lot of pro bono work as well. A lot of people get my clients and what my my causes are are pro bono work confused. Um, in the election season, I think what's really going to be interesting is, one, what are people going to believe, true or fake news? Two, what are the algorithms going to do? And three, uh, as that one post I put on the Abdullah Large page with the conference Senate hearings about all this, they, a lot of the information they're saying, well, that's classified. We need to talk about it behind doors. So it all depends whether all that information is going to come out and our change is going to be made in time. Now, Chris, you're from a unique perspective because uh, you do a lot of social media and you've also been involved in politics before. Yeah, I ran the Libertarian Party of Indiana for four years from 08 to 12 and helped organize hundreds of candidates and county parties. And they're on the ground floor of the Tea Party movement and so a lot of protests too. And I have to be honest, I think the uh, effect of social media in politics is far overblown. I think it is still about how many doors you knock 
knock on how many personal touches you have with an individual voter. And uh, social media can be really good about raising certain awareness or raising, you know, like Donald Trump's Twitter, for instance, you see the averages for the uh, opinion of whether they like Republicans or don't like Republicans and will they vote for those candidates in the House in, in November. That goes up and down all the time based on whatever tantrum Trump is having at that point. So it can have an effect on the general mood, but I think for a specific candidate, I don't think that it has as much effect as, as people would like to say that it does. Do you think, Dave, that social media will actually get somebody to actually go out and vote, or has got to be more to it than that? Depends their level of education and how whether they're on social right before they fall asleep first thing in the morning, or whether they're really angry and want to rant. That'd be my dad. <laughs> or any one of your posts that you make. <laughs> exactly. What do you think, Amy? Uh, does social media, uh, like Chris said, no, is it is its impact in elections overblown, or does, is it just good at raising awareness, but does it actually move people to actually go do something other than press a like button or a dislike button to express their outrage? Well, that in itself... Maybe lean in just a little bit closer. That in itself is helpful to all candidates to get the temperature of the public sphere. And I think if you ask uh, President Obama in 2008, it played a huge role in him winning. So I, I fully believe that it's only going to become more important and there's going to be more of a, a need for people to understand this. This is a, we're in the midst of a communication paradigm shift and whenever our species goes through one of these, chaos ensues for a certain number of years. It, uh, chaos ensued for 200 years after Gutenberg's press. So we're still really new in this, trying to f- trying to figure it out. I just think that sound you're hearing is a paradigm shift without a clutch. So everybody just <laughs> hold tight. Ooh, that's a great one. I love that. <laughs> I saw that from Dogbert from a cartoon 20 years ago. Our guests today are Amy Stark, Digital Doms Incorporated, Dave Meeker, bringing tech to you, and our good buddy Chris Bengel. Uh, we Are Libertarians also does digital for the Bob and Toast Show. Talking about uh, social media and its roles uh, in these elections. Uh, Amy, Amy has brought up an interesting point, uh, Dave, about you know, we're sort of in this communication paradigm shift right now. We're still trying to figure out the rules. And so when we when we see things on social media or things written about social media, are we all just getting maybe a little bit too worked up and maybe we just need to wait and let this all sort of work itself out? Too worked up and too busy putting people under the microscope. So I'm going to take this quote right from Forbes that I posted on your wall. It says, while the only permanent fix to the social media problem is to focus on creating an information literate online citizenry, whatever that means, which means they have to educate your the, your audience so that they don't overreact or underreact or just go buy it, whether it's fake or not. Is that possible, Chris? Uh, just, know, just knowing how social media has been for so many years, and it's funny because it used to did not be like this in the in the early days of facebook you know maybe you might have a discussion here or there but just kind of throw something up you know pictures of you doing something and you know that was sort of the end of it i think that it has much more of an impact because the media has had much more of an impact in the conversation on it uh because i think a lot of reporters spend a lot of time on twitter and i think there are a lot of reporters who work for a lot of these clickbait mills like huffington post the daily caller buzzfeed who spend all day on twitter and all of a sudden there's this new phenomenon called Twitter is news, you know, where it really has accelerated in the Trump age. And you you and I both know we've worked in media. I've worked in media in town for 15 years. You've uh, a lot longer. Uh, and you've seen the resources for these news outlets start to 
to lessen and deplete. And so they relied on police blotters and crime reports to really fill their newspapers and their TV reports. Well, now you've got Twitter, which is an, an open source fire hose. You can report on it. And so a lot of things that are reported on in the media are, uh, are tweets or this fringe person said this. And so we need to put this up there so we can get clicks. And it's not really news, and it's not really representative of what most people think. It's just good media. Are we amplifying voices, Dave, that maybe shouldn't be amplified? It all depends who's listening. <laughs> I'm right here, Dave. Don't you, don't, Who makes I can that reach you. Decision? <laughs> who's the big decider on that, whether or not they should have a voice? Well, I'll be more than happy to make that, <laughs> okay. but, that decision. But he's, he's right. It used to be people would verify their facts instead of just reading it online, whether it be Twitter or wherever, and assume it's a fact. The days of fact checking seem to be gone, except for you, which you often do that. Even with a Facebook Live, you still do your facts. And see, and that's what I guess, and I guess, Amy, that's what I mean is not so much that somebody's playing uh, the ultimate censor, which we'll get to in just a second here, but if somebody's crazy and just because they can type and post, does that mean that we should, everybody should get all worked up over what this person just said? Um, If they have an audience, maybe there are some valid points that open up a discussion that may resolve some issue, uh, like a, a tangential issue. Um, But I think any public dialogue in a sphere like Facebook is going to help our species ultimately because there's a lot of public shaming. If somebody's posting something goofy, they open themselves to public shaming, and I think that will have an effect. Our guests today are Amy Stark. She is a Digital Media Doms. Also, Dave Meeker bringing tech to you and Chris Spengel. We are Libertarians and also Social Media Director for The Bob and Tom Show. We're talking today about uh, issues of social media in this election cycle and what impact, uh, what role should it have, particularly with some of the things we've seen. Um, I want to take uh, one of the things, folks, and, and shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, the social media, uh, the big search engines, Chris, you know, Google, Facebook, Twitter. Are these publication platforms or are they utilities? Well, they've been granted a pass on things like copyright law and have been, you know, if you upload a copyright, a copyrighted piece of music or a photo to their platforms, they get a pass. If I do that on my website, I get sued by the copyright owner. And they have been given uh, an exception because they are platforms. They're open and free platforms. They are not editors. You are an editor. You do story selection for this program. You're edited by the program manager of the station. You know, Not enough, according to some people. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm making a stop on the way out. Um, But they they've been granted the uh, the ability to essentially be a utility to host files on a public way that makes it easy for people to consume that information. And I don't think that should change. And I think there's an effort by Democrats, especially, to force these. Uh, and by media outlets to start becoming editors. And I think it is a targeted, uh, I think CNN and some of these news outlets like the New York Times, they've lost revenue to Facebook and social media. And that still sticks in their craw 20 years later. And anytime they can get a piece of skin off of these companies, they're going to do it, even if it's at the risk of infringing on our ability to say whatever we want, wherever we want. But, Dave, what do you think? Are these uh, 
utilities that need to be regulated or like chris said you know should they be considered platforms because my thing is that if uh, if you're a utility then for the most part you just let people post or say what they want provided it's not you know liable slanderous you know inciting you know into specific harm to an individual that sort of thing but otherwise just let people say what they say and like amen mentioned earlier you just let the let the free market of public discourse take its course right but on a business page many people even though there's the thing called a First Amendment, you post something, and the next thing you know, your instant messenger is going off left and right, asking you to take that down or edit some part of it that they don't like for whatever politically correct reason. Whereas on Google, Chris is very right, a lot of these platforms, they have a lot of money and a lot of power behind them, and they can post whatever they want. Is it going to be a regulated utility? That all depends on how these hearings are going on to what level what i think they're going to regulate is the false information and the intrusions from other companies yeah but who makes the decision as to what is false i don't want jack i don't want jack dorsey and people who have a certain political bias and i don't even think jack dorsey is comfortable being that person i think as as a responsible consumer of news and an, an intelligent thinking person you shouldn't want someone else deciding what you can or can't read and the reality is for conspiracy theories people think these things and so when other people are allowed to say them out loud and then they're refuted let's take the 9-11 conspiracies popular mechanics can write a book and then the thoughts then are corrected as opposed to you know just everybody silently thinking these things that lead to dangerous behavior censoring leads to more danger it leads to an unhealthy culture let me get amy to jump in on this okay so let's get back to the marketplace um weeding these things out it's going to take a long time for that to happen, but any time that you have discourse on your uh, on your Facebook business page, you should be thankful. You yes. should embrace your haters because the more they're contributing, the more algorithm juice you're getting. So in effect, they're helping your business. Uh, being able to deal with it is is one of those challenges that we're still getting used to. But you should be happy for your haters. At least you know they're reading it. Exactly. And at the it's end of better the, than it's better than crickets. When you remove somebody like Alex Jones, there's a there's a remedy for these things. There's libel laws if he goes too far in defamation suits, and there's a thing called the block button. If you don't like it, don't look at it. But there's a group of people who don't want there to be open and free discussion on the internet. I mean, it, we're dealing with censors in the way that every generation previously has dealt with censors. Censors They used to keep magazines from being mailed through the post office and banned magazines in, in places like Boston. I mean, so this none of this is new, and I think we have to fight that issue. We have to fight the censorship. I, our, I our, disagree. I think it is new. Information in the past would flow from editors or producers. They were the gatekeepers of what the um, grassroots community heard. Right now, the grassroots is creating the content, and that's where I think we have to get um, like um, the Associated Press and, and the fact checkers. Um, they 
I think it's a good idea that they're paying attention to Twitter for the news. But we do have to um, promote critical thinking skills and um, and reliable source checking. These voices you hear are Amy Starks, Digital Media Doms Incorporated, Dave Meeker, bringing tech to you, Chris Spengel. We are Libertarians and Digital Director for the Bob and Tom Show, talking about social media, uh, that's role in the upcoming election, all these sort of related issues and things you've been seeing uh, in the news as of late. Uh, let me ask you guys this. Let's say I invent the ultimate Abdul search engine, which is going to be this horrible, evil thing with just pictures of me. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. It's, it's cigar, we- cigar websites, yeah. more pictures of you. More all, comic books, more superhero people. All 1,500 of your Facebook pages. <laughs> exactly. All Abdul all the time. All Abdul right? all the time. Don't I, as a private business, have the right to say, hey, you know what? Amy just put something up there. I think it's crazy. I'm taking it down. Because you know what, Amy? If you don't like it, you can go to Dave Meeker's social media thing you can go to chris bangles does the free market also work that way so when facebook and twitter and everybody else starts taking stuff down hey don't like it go you know this is america go build your own well but they took um alex joan off but i don't think they uh prohibited prohibited him from creating a new account so yeah, they did. They did. Did they? Mm-hmm, yeah. And how are and, they going to figure that out? And if you were to stream his content as a mirror, they shut you down. It, it, there's been on wow. YouTube podcasts discussing Alex Jones, and they've been taken that their streams have been taken down. It's very heavy-handed. Um, you know, if I can answer your question, of course, these companies have. I believe in property rights first and foremost. If they, it's their servers, they own it, and it's their right to do as they wish. And I do think that with a social network, you should have some censoring for uh, sexual content, for abuse and violence. But to claim that political speech, when Alex Jones uh, says that Robert Mueller he says something bad about Robert Mueller, and that's that's bullying, or he says, get your battle rifles ready, and then the media, Media Matters, the New York Times, take it out of context and then ask Jack Dorsey about it, and he's not seen the context. They're manipulating people, and they're manipulating these CEOs into doing things that are just absurd. Like when Alex Jones got banned off of Twitter, he was yelling at a, at Jack Dorsey in a scrum. It's no different behavior than anything Jack, uh, Jim Acosta at CNN does on a daily basis. It's just that Alex Jones isn't popular, and so what well, said what censor calling people to get rifles? And no, he what he wasn't saying that. He was it was more of a uh, it was a it was a turn of phrase for self-defense. And so what what you have read about Alex Jones, like think about it. I have no idea what he said about Sandy Hook. I don't think anybody in this program has any idea or anybody listening knows what he said about Sandy Hook. We just know he said bad things about the families, but we don't know what that was specifically. And that's how this echo chamber works. I thought and so, it was he said that was a conspiracy that it didn't really happen. It was all staged. Of course, but the problem with censorship is they they have started with the hackers and they start building tools to keep hackers off of platforms. Then they go to sex workers and they pass FOSTA and they 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 basically kill Craigslist. Now they've gone to conspiracy theorists. There is a point where we have to say enough. This is this is consenting adults doing what they want to do on these platforms and we should support these companies as they fight back against the the main narrative and say I I want to listen to these things, or I can be an adult and choose not to do these things. And I think on the company's part, they have to stand up for themselves, and they have to say, no, thank you. I don't want to be regulated. I don't want you to help regulate free speech. But they don't want that, because they want to have the regulation cement their place on top.